Rutgers ScoutCast 47 is real. It's damn real. Welcome back to the show. We're grinding our way to National Signing Day. This is actually the final episode of the Rutgers ScoutCast before National Signing Day. I know that that's in everyone's mind. Everyone's talking about recruiting. A lot of the a lot of the talk comes out of frustration from the the decommitments and some of the Rutgers struggles on the road this week, but Rutgers is actually doing some pretty good things at the same time. And for those details, especially getting ready for today, tomorrow, and Sunday, massive recruiting weekend, please check out scholarreport.com. If you are not already a member, our membership grew significantly over the last week because of the promotion about which I spoke on this show. So welcome to any Rutgers ScoutCast listeners that just tried the website, and to all of you long-time Scarlet Report members, I thank you for helping me promote that, helping build the site, and there's a reason that I'm not going to go too much into recruiting on this episode, and that's because this time of year, our recruiting information means a lot, so I don't want to give anything away here that our members are locked in on on the Scarlet Report premium forums. With that said, I will talk a little bit about recruiting during my Q&A this week. No Brian Doan this week. He's off returning videotapes. Instead, we're taking a different approach to the Rutgers ScoutCast this week. There's a lot of bad news around Rutgers this week for the real fans that follow recruiting. People are still upset that Aaron Henry left the program, the decommitments of guys like Bryce Watts. But some pretty great stuff happened over the weekend as well, last weekend. And that is the fact that five, that's right, five-time Rutgers Scarlet Knights are on the Super Bowl Sunday of activities, you know, Super Bowl Media Day, all that kind of stuff. All five of these players were starters this season and played in NFL games. Jonathan Freeney is on injured reserve and will not play in the Super Bowl but who will play in the Super Bowl is Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Mohamed Sanu, a former three-star recruit out of South Brunswick. Another pair of three-star cornerbacks, Logan Ryan of the New England Patriots, who's playing corner for them, and Deron Harmon of the New England Patriots, who's playing safety for them, comes from South Jersey from Eastern High School in Voorhees, same school as Adam Telefero, same school as Eli Apple, and Deron Harmon comes from Delaware. Then you have... One of the all-time Rutgers fan favorites, Devin McCourty, infamous low recruiting ranking back in the day, back when he signed with his brother Jason McCourty in one of Greg Schiano's top recruiting classes. He rounds out the list. McCourty played up North Jersey, in North Jersey at St. Joe's, but he is from New York. So with all that news, I figured why not keep the positive momentum going on the Rutgers scout cast. It's easy to get negative or get disappointed this year. And me being the good cop as that I am, we all know that Brian Doan is the bad cop. In fact, he makes bad cops look like good cops. He can be so negative. Let's, uh, let's have a fun episode here where we talk about the pride that comes with Rutgers being so prominently featured in the Super Bowl. And where better to start than this guy named Coach Chris Ash? I called Chris Ash between recruiting trips earlier this week. I believe, of course, I can't you know, talk about the kids directly with Coach Ash, but I believe he was in Alabama after meeting with Saeem Simmons on his way to go try to lock up Travis Vokalek in Missouri. And while he's in transit, you know, 
limousine riding, jet flying, as Rutgers does it in style. While he's in transit, he gave me about five minutes to talk about the Super Bowl. So you're going to hear that. I guess we can call this Chris Ash's one-on-one debut of the Rutgers Scout cast. He's been on a couple times in group settings, teleconferences, the R Awards last year. But this is my first one-on-one with him on the podcast, so you're going to hear that. And then we're going to keep the interviews going. You guys are probably tired of hearing me talk at this point. I'm tired of hearing me talk, and I know that the recruits that I speak to on the phone are tired of hearing all reporters talk. They want signing day bad. So we're going to go right from Chris Ash to a pair of Rutgers staff members with incredible New Jersey ties and a lot of pride going into Super Bowl, L.I., woo-woo-woo, you know it. First, you're going to hear from Rick Mance. This is Rick Mance's second time on the Rutgers Scoutcast. I highly recommend you go back and listen to Mance's interview that he gave at Rutgers Media Day with Brian Doan, some very illuminating stuff. To do that, you just go into the iTunes archive and scroll down to about August of 2016, or if you're streaming, you can click on past episodes at the bottom of the page on Scarlet Report. After Rick Mance, you're going to hear from Dan Spittle. Dan Spittle works in the Rutgers recruiting department, but he is as longtime South Jersey football as they get. He coached at Voorhees for, I believe, 16 years. And before that, he was coaching elsewhere in South Jersey. He coached Logan Ryan. He coached Adam Telefero. He coached Eli Apple. And now he recruits for Rutgers. And while Rutgers has suffered a loss or two here in South Jersey in January, I would say that Rutgers has better relationships right now in South Jersey than any time over the last six or seven years. So... In order, just so you can keep track, you're going to hear from Rutgers coach Chris Ash talking about everyone's Super Bowl. Then Rick Mance and I check in about Mohamed Sanu. For those that don't know, Rick coached Mohamed Sanu at South Brunswick. And then you're going to hear from Dan Spittle. After the trio of Rutgers staff members, you'll be right back with me for a Q&A. So here with Chris Ash, and thank you for joining me, Coach. Let's jump right into it. How big is this Super Bowl for Rutgers football? I think it's great for Rutgers football. I mean, uh, you got uh, five players that played here that are playing in the Super Bowl. It uh, doesn't get any better than that. Um, I think it shows uh, a lot of people that uh, you can achieve your dreams and your goals here at Rutgers. You don't need to go uh, to a certain logo, uh, a certain conference uh, to be developed to, you know, play at the highest level. You can do that right here. So that, that part of it is really big. Is that what you're trying to do when you're developing these young men at Rutgers? Uh, I'm not talking to them about a plan to go to the Super Bowl. You know, I'm talking to them about a plan to make them the best that they can be. Uh, and if they become the best that they can be, um, and they've got uh, the talent to go to the next level, then they're going to have an opportunity to, uh, you know, go play in the NFL and uh, to make it to the Super Bowl uh, takes a lot more than one or two players. You know, it takes a, uh, a special team, and uh, you know. But uh, you know, our our job here is to just to help develop them to be the best they can be. And if we do that, uh, the players will have an opportunity to go to the next level and play in the NFL. The uh, Muhammad Sanu's come back and spoken to your team, and obviously his nephew is on the team. How has he been as an ambassador and someone that seems like he's embraced all the changes at Rutgers? Uh, I, I think he's like everybody else as a former player. They want to be a part 
uh, say they're uh, they've been a part of a program that's a uh, successful program and doing things the right way. And, uh, Muhammad's done an outstanding job of coming back and talking to our players about what it takes to get to where he's at. Um, you know, a lot of guys love the recruiting process and they don't love uh, uh, the actual grind and the process it takes to get to the next level. And uh, he's a guy that embodied that, he embraced that, and uh, comes back and talks to our players about that. And uh, I, I, I mean, he's awesome when he comes around. I know that you're very busy out on the road recruiting right now, but back at the Hale Center, how proud do you think these players are to watch the Super Bowl and see, you know, their classmates succeed like this? Oh, I think it's awesome. I mean, it's uh, no different than, you know, they're, they're cheering and excited for people that uh, go on and have a great career in business, you know. Uh, these guys are at the top of their profession, and uh, to be able to say they've uh, a lot of these guys uh, have watched their careers uh, from the time they were at Rutgers to where they are now. Uh, there's a lot of smiles on a lot of the players. Uh, you know, when the people are right now all over social media talking about how Rutgers has the most uh, former players playing in the Super Bowl, I mean, it's pr- they're the most proud players. And a lot of guys that, uh, you know, want to uh, someday, you know, have a chance to be on that type of a list also. And uh, hopefully it motivates them to, to work a little bit harder. All right, well, I know I know you're busy, so that's all I got for you. Thank you. I appreciate it, Sam. All right, thanks, Chris. All right, all right, take care. You too, bye. Sam, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Rick. How are you? Oh, hey, can't help but be excited. Uh, most of you is an awesome kid. Happy for him getting one. Of course, all those Patriots up there. That's always a great deal for us. <laughs> sure. I, I guess my first question, Coach, thanks for giving me a couple minutes. What does it mean to you to see a guy like Mohamed Sanu make it to the Super Bowl with everything he's gone through and his path through the NFL? He's just such an amazing kid, you know, and I know it's uh, it's kind of cliche, you know, people talk about, you know, a guy being a better person than he is an athlete. I mean, it's it's absolutely true, though, with, with Mohamed. That young man is just incredible. You know, I tell the story when I first got hired at South Brunswick, he was a sophomore year, it was the wintertime right after football season. He found me in the building after school. He made a point to find me a football coach. Happy, smiling. He was a kid that had struggled for whatever, you know, if you were a freshman, sophomore year and to school. No negativity, you know, no blame, no nothing. Just how can I help us get better coach, you know, what can I do for you? And he would sit with me and watch film and hang out and just, just a wonderful kid. And when you got to know that he really had, had so many tough things going on in his personal life. His mom's a great lady, but she wasn't around very much. She was back and forth with Africa and taking care of her village. Uh, he lived with his sister, who's only a few years older than him, and he really slept on the couch. Muhammad Sanu didn't have a bed to sleep in until he came here to college. He slept on the couch in a little tiny apartment. Uh, his sister and brother-in-law lived there with the two little girls, his nieces and his nephew, uh, Mojabi. And he ate whatever food we left. You know, it's funny, we all knew that he wasn't getting a whole lot of calls. So each of us, me, the basketball coach, and different guys in town, we, you know, we'd take him out for eating and make sure he had a sandwich and we'd give him food to take home and we always make sure that he had something. And it was funny because when he enrolled at Rutgers uh, in January of his senior year from high school and uh, went over here for a couple of months and then went back to visit some of the teachers, you know, some of the folks in South Brunswick were going, oh my gosh, coach, do you see my mom and you see on steroids? He's huge. He put on almost 30 pounds. I said, no, he's eating. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't able to do that, you know, when he was living with his sister. I said, this kid, you know, now he's starting to get three square meals a day. It's just, you know, such an awesome kid, a leader. Uh, he played his junior for me and was just amazing. And then we won five straight games and got to the playoffs for the first time in 30 years. And then again, because we knew he was going to be 18, he really couldn't play his senior year. So we talked to him about his options. And 
one of them was him staying with us but not being able to play in games, which I can't imagine, you know, for a kid as competitive to see is to come out and practice right. every day and then know you're never going to see Friday night. And yet he did it. You know, he was the first guy out there. He would grab guys enough to practice. And he would throw some balls and it's just gone away. We get a couple extra lifts and, you know, he was always pushing his teammates. And ironically that year, you know, without him being able to physically play on Friday, just being there during the week, we went out at night and two and went to the state semis. His impact with people was just incredible. And some of the records and having the impact he had here, uh, he said he couldn't be a quarterback, you know, he didn't throw well enough, he didn't do this, he didn't do that, you know, so that was going to make him a deep And uh, that first spring, like I said, he had just arrived here that first spring, a couple of receivers got back that she didn't remember right before the spring game. Right. So he flipped Moe over to offense just to get to the spring game. I remember Greg telling me stories, but we just wanted to get the line up to take a few outs for us just to give us a body out there because we didn't have enough kids. And he came through a little spring there. I mean, he caught, you know, six or seven balls and a touchdown. It was just unbelievable. And they all kind of looked at each other and said, I think he's going to stay at the wide receiver. Yeah. It was just amazing. That first year with them, they realized he could throw, he could punt, he could catch, he could do anything. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was that year, that first year, they went to St. Petersburg Bowl. And he was the offensive MVP. They lined him up for that, you know, wild night, a wildcat deal. I think he ran for a touchdown. He threw one, I think. He caught one. And he was just all over the place. Yeah, I remember that Cincinnati game, his first game, when they put Savage in, I think he had 10 catches just in the second half alone. He's amazing and unselfish, you know, whatever you wanted to do, it's something. he's just such an amazing young man, you know, just, you know, incredible spirit, very positive, loves everybody, he texts him, he will text you right back, if you need anything, he's there in two seconds. So some of these guys get ambition, you know, they, they grow up or they leave, and they go on and they forget, but he's, he's certainly not going to win, just an incredible dude, you can't help but love him and that's a good for him. I think you just touched on it a little bit, but, I mean, he used his bye week to come back and speak to your team. It seems like he has never forgotten about Rutgers, and, and he's also pretty active in trying to help you guys recruit with some of the kids he knows being from this area. Sure. Yeah, he's very aware of the rules, obviously. He's very careful. But right, right. Time, he's always been like that. It was funny. When he was here at Rutgers, you know, when I was still coaching South Brunson, he would, whatever, if Kyle gave him a week off, guess what? He was with us. You know, or if Greg gave him time off, he was back with us. You know, he, he was always trying to, to see his little nephew play. He was trying to help his little brothers. So I think he also appreciated, too, everybody in South Brunswick. You know, it, it takes a village. You know, we all kind of helped to race, and he never forgot that. But I went to, to uh, Passaic. You know, and he's, you know, at that point in the NFL, I mean, he dropped what he was doing and came and worked the camps for me. He spent a whole day with my guys at the same. Didn't know any of these kids, obviously. Spent all day with them, following all of them on Twitter. The kids were following him. I mean, just so appreciative of all the people in his life that have helped him. And, and you know, in any way that he can, he'll get back. If any of his teammates that I ever reach out, it's funny because I'll say, Mo, you're going to be around in town. Well, I'm working a camp for this guy, and I'm working a camp for that guy, and I'm going to make an appearance for this guy. I mean, he's just he's so giving of, of himself and his time. He's amazing. And he loves Rutgers. He's just so excited. You know, he's got some more job he's here. He's so respectful. He came and spent a lot of time with Coach Ash. He did a video for us, actually, and talked about, you know, his experience and his time here. And, uh, I mean, he's as excited as we are, you know, about what's going on. He knows in some ways he's contributing towards that. Yeah, he's, I, you know, whenever I do the, the McCourty charity events or Brian Leonard or Antonio Lauer, he's always you know, the first or second guy in the door. Yeah, he's here, and if for some reason he's not, it's because he's booked someplace else. And, <laughs> and a lot of times, like you say, he'll do two and three events in the same night, you know, whenever he can, but he's just, he's very loyal, uh, very caring, most unselfish guy I've ever been around, you know, not pretentious in any way. He's really an amazing kid, he's so grounded. What, this is more big picture, but what do you think it says about Rutgers that you have 
guys, you know, Moe's from Central Jersey, Logan's from South Jersey, you got a Delaware guy, Jonathan Freeney. Uh, what do you think it says about Rutgers that people from so many different backgrounds went from those backgrounds to Rutgers and are now in the Super Bowl? You know, obviously, I, it's, it's, I think, a great, you know, advertisement. It's a great statement for, you know, the, the area in, in which we recruit those, those kids that can all consider Rutgers their home. You know, Chris talked about them when he got here. We don't need satellite camps. There are enough kids with a three-hour car ride that's campus, and you're seeing that now you know, with those guys. People. And he give, you know, gives Greg all the credit, obviously, because Greg Shiaz is the one that trained all these guys to develop them. At the same time, you know, you look at Chris's track record, you know, Eli Apple and all those guys that played on his last defense in Ohio State. He's, you know, going to do everything that Greg did and perhaps more in terms of developing kids. You know, it's one thing to identify and get them here. And Rutgers certainly, we think, with the classes we got coming in, you know, we've got some pretty talented kids here. I think it says a lot for, you know, their ability to, to be developed. Obviously, guys like Belichick know that Rutgers is, is, is a school that is going to do a good job of getting all the kids. You know, a lot of guys get to the league, but to see the number of our guys that are sticking and are succeeding. Hey, uh, I appreciate you giving me some time because I know, believe me, I know what recruiting is like this week. Not, not a problem. Yeah, we're just uh, trying to finish it up and, uh, and uh, you know, finish strong and then get ready for uh, you know seventeen season, which would be great. <laughs> and there's no days off with that junior day on Sunday either. Oh no, no. <laughs> there's never a day off here. <laughs> I know. I know how that works. Uh, I guess I'll just jump into it here. You knowing Logan Ryan as long as you have and working with him, where is your pride level right now? Oh, tremendous. You know what? He's um, he's, he's the kind of kid, man. If you coach those kind of kids, you'd never have a problem, you know, on or off the field. comes from a quality family. Um, you know, he started three years for us at Eastern. He was a wide receiver his sophomore year. And then uh, junior and senior year, he played quarterback and cornerback. Um, never got hurt. Played both ways. Um, and Rutgers, you know, that was a good pickup by him. He wanted to stay close to home. You know, he, he ended up, uh, you know, doing having a stellar career here. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. I was, I was thinking, uh, you know, we had a kid, Ben uh, Feltero, went to Penn State. Logan was kind of. I always looked up to him, and then because uh, he was a defensive back, and then when Logan came in, uh, Eli Apple looked up to Logan. Uh, you know, so we had kind of like a, a period of like ten years there. Or, uh, younger kids always looked up to the older kids on our team. So um, it, you know, we we used to joke and call it DB DBHS <laughs> uh, for, for defensive back high school. Um, you know, you know. Calafaro, prior to him, was Chris Canny, um, who went to Kansas State and was a first-round pick uh, uh, with the uh, New England Patriots. So, uh, you know, we've had some pretty good DBs. They've written really good kids. Uh, he's trying to put out some really good kids over the course of the year. So uh, I was very fortunate. You know, now how that is when you're a good – when you have good kids, you're a good coach. When you have great kids, you have a great coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're at DBHS, and you send him to DBU over at Rutgers. H- how much did do you think Rutgers prepared him for the NFL? Because it's, it's not just the football. I mean, I, I know he met his fiance there. He, he had, had a kid with her. Like, he's really grew up as a person at Rutgers, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Coach Yano, uh, uh did a great job here. I mean, 
I, I coached at uh, Dundalk before Eastern. I was at Pemberton High School in the mid '80s. You know, we had a lot of success there. They treated it out of state. So once he came in though and solidified it, you know, he got the, the Ryan D. Imperial from Washington Township was probably the first South Jersey guy that Greg had gotten like in 2006, and then uh, you know 2008 he got Logan Ryan and. and know, got started rolling in the South Jersey, getting guys to commit, and um, had a had a pretty well locked up. I would say uh, by the time he left for Tampa Bay, he could get pretty much whoever he wanted in, in New Jersey. And uh, you know, there's a slight stumble here for the last four years. You know, Coach Ash had to come in here and you know, kind of patch up the castle a little bit. I think we've done that, um, and now now it's. Uh, Yeah, obviously I know the rules and you can't talk about specific players, but I know that you guys have kind of made a resurgence in South Jersey in this 2017 recruiting class. Um, yes. You you working directly in the recruiting department, how does five players in the Super Bowl, like how does that affect what you do as a recruiter? Well, you know, it, it, it verifies that, you know, you know, being his high school coach, um, you know, you can kind of identify some talent. You know what it looks like. You know I'm old enough now to remember what it looks like on 16 millimeter VHS and DVD, and now on computer, all the players, you know, all look the same, no matter uh, what the medium you look at. And uh, you know, knowing that you know he came up here, uh, did well academically. You know, he's a two-time uh, All Big East academic kid. Uh, plus, you know, he was a third-round pick, picking the NFL draft. That 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 kind of uh, says it, yeah, if you come here, uh, the sky's the limit for you. One more question before I let you get back to uh, recruiting this week. Logan Ryan matching up against Mohamed Sanu in a Super Bowl, how special is something like that, the idea of that for <laughs> Rutgers fans? I'm, 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 I'm going to guess there's going to be some talking going on <laughs> between uh, Sanu and, because, uh, you know, Rick Mance, our recruiting director, coached Sanu. At, uh, at South Brunswick, so um, you know, we just talked this morning. Said, "Well, we got a matchup here, you know, with the uh, Rutgers secondary and Sanu, so it should be very interesting." And and, and it's and it's a great spotlight, you know, for uh, for not only New Jersey and Rutgers, um, but uh, you know what uh, what you can do if you really want to try to succeed. You know, Sanu's a quality kid. After talking to Coach Manson, you know, Logan Ryan is too. I, I talked to Coach Mance this morning too, and I, I'm going to guess between the two, you and Mo Jabby, there's going to be plenty of trash talk in the Hale Center too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're going to be terrific. Uh, the referees, I'm sure, will know prior to that uh, they were former players, and uh, it, it should be it should be a great game. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Sure. Uh,
had a good foundation to put in, so it made our job easy. Sure. Well, speaking of not easy jobs, I'm sure you've got about 8,000 recruiting phone calls to make today, so I definitely, <laughs> definitely appreciate you giving me some time. A lot, of, a lot of transcripts to look at and see if kids are taking array classes and all that kind of stuff, so that's another, that's another part of the job. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I, I appreciate it, Coach, and uh, looking forward to signing day and the Super Bowl. Very good. All right, thank nice, you. Nice talking to you. You too, Coach. Well, we are back, and by we, I mean just me. Scarlet Report publisher Sam Hellman. This is uh, the mailbag segment for the week before you guys ride off into the final weekend before National Signing Day. As always, you can reach me at Sam Hellman Scout on Twitter, shelman at scout.com via email, Sam Hellman Scout on Facebook. And the best way to reach me, which is where the questions come this week, is through the Scarlet Report premium message boards. You can either post a question or shoot me a direct message into my inbox on Scarlet Report on the Scout web system. And I will happily take your questions on air. We have a rapid fire mailbag this week. I think it's a total of five questions. About three and a half of them are on topic. I'm going to touch on them for quicker answers and run through these. Just so you know, after I finish answering this mailbag, we're just going to straight end the show after that. So before I jump into the questions, just so you all know, next week might be a little bit of like these January episodes where it's not the full format that you're used to. And that's because National Signing Day is Wednesday. And frankly, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a podcast edited in time for Friday, you know, because I'd be doing the whole thing Thursday, essentially. So Maybe we'll have a show Friday. Maybe it'll be a truncated show. There's some unique interview opportunities coming Wednesday of next week, so maybe there will be some more cameos like you've seen. I'm not really sure, but my plan either for next week's episode or in two weeks is to do really just a National Signing Day breakdown. Brian Doan is our national recruiting analyst in this region. There's no one better to talk about rankings, flips, why Rutgers has targeted some of these guys. You know, why Rutgers is flipping a kid from Delaware. Why is Rutgers looking at defensive linemen committed to New Hampshire or anything else that comes with the territory. We're going to talk about all of that. And hopefully for some of the guys out of the region, like Tijon Mason, maybe we'll get some of our other analysts to join the show as well. We'll see. Anyway, here's the mailbag. And the first question came from Bruce And the question is a recruiting question. Shocking, right? Which recruit does Rutgers need to land to cap off the class? Well, my answer is not, it's not creative, nor is it, nor is it someone that is a, you know, a touchdown machine or a sack machine. It's, my answer is punter Ryan Anderson. And I know that some of you are going to laugh and say, punter? Well, Let me tell you something, brother. I was on the bandwagon or or the the first guy on the bus when Michael Cintron started to get on track to set these punting records, the Rutgers record, the Big Ten record for punts attempted in the season. And Cintron did okay, but Rutgers needs an improvement at punter, especially if you're looking at another 80, 90 punt season. You know, the offense is only going to change so much in one year. I I think Rutgers is going to be punting quite a bit this year. And I'd love to see Ryan Anderson be the guy to do it. 
Ryan Anderson is a grad transfer, one year of eligibility. He's a longtime Michigan kid that would love to kick at the big house, so I think that it would be relatively easy to get a commitment out of him this weekend should Rutgers issue that scholarship offer during his official visit. Anderson's got a 4.0 GPA and a 46.2 yard per punt average. I don't care what field you're on, punting is punting, and as long as the rest of the special teams does their job, I think that Anderson would be a massive upgrade on special teams. Now, Bruce, that probably wasn't the answer you were looking for, so I guess I'll give you a couple honorable mentions of on-field guys. Uh, Saeem Simmons, originally from Jersey City, visiting, spent the last year playing in Alabama. I really love his attitude. He's he's, uh, incredibly entertaining and very athletic, and he can help Rutgers in kind of like a coverage linebacker nickel role. I, I would love for Rutgers to get him because I think he's a great personality, but he's also a realistic guy that they can get that can help them pretty early. Then, of course, you're, you know, Cordarian Richardson, Trey Creamer. These are guys that would be excellent late additions for Rutgers. But, you know, I'd like to see Rutgers, I guess before I start predicting or, or talking about commitments that have other major offers like that, let's let's lock up the guys that are heavy Rutgers leans. So that's why I talk about Punter and why I talk about Simmons first. Thanks, Bruce, for the question. Next question comes from RU76. Did anything happen in 76 with Rutgers? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Why can't we make free throws, he asks. <laughs> uh, I would love to be able to answer this question, but I can't. Steve Peichel said it himself. You heard him if you follow my coverage. I was down in College Park Tuesday night for the loss to Maryland where Guess what? If Rutgers made every free throw, or even most of them, we're talking about an upset over number 22. But Rutgers missed more than half of its free throws. I believe 10 for 24 was the final mark, and that is atrocious. Steve Peichel says, look, we make most of our free throws in practice. Well, that's great. And it's true. I've seen Rutgers make a lot of free throws in practice. But we're talking about a game here. Not a practice, a game. I got that backwards, but you get what I mean. When you're gassed, when you're playing as tough as Rutgers is playing on defense, you need to be in great shape. And Rutgers is in better shape right now, but when you're gassing yourself and you're not used to playing as hard on defense as Rutgers is or has been all season, I think you start to lose some of that lift in your legs, and that's where you're seeing some of these missed free throws. It's not mental errors. This team is more focused now than I've seen a Rutgers basketball team in a long time. So I think that once Rutgers... Look, these players are embarrassed. Corey Sanders was embarrassed after the game with the way that this team shot its free throws. And there's no simple fix, but the better condition you are, the more shots you're going to make. Thank you, 76. The next uh, question comes from Carl, spelled with a K. So I'm going to call you Machine Gun Carl. The question is, I'm going to the Rutgers spring game. It is my first time being at Rutgers since I took my family to the Louisville game. I've heard about that Louisville game. I think it happened in 2006, but it's not. it doesn't come up much. Do you have any recommendations for newer places on campus to visit, places that weren't there back during that game? That's a great question, Carl. I, I, I like to think I'm a good person to answer this question because I actually didn't arrive at Rutgers until 2007, so as new things were being built... I was excited to try them and check them out over the last 
10 years. Yes, I've been at Rutgers for 10 years. Wow. I guess the first place that I would go if I say I'm renting a car and going down to Rutgers for the first time in 10 years, I'm going to Livingston campus because even when I was a freshman, sophomore at Rutgers, 2007, 2008, 2009, Livingston was a dump. Livingston stunk. If you were in the lottery system and you got stuck on Livingston in one of those dorms as a student, you were getting the hell out of there as fast as you can. The Those were the kids that moved off campus first, were the kids that had to live on Livingston or would have had to live on Livingston if they chose on-campus housing. Now Livingston rules. There's a cool restaurant chain. I mean, the rack is pretty great. There's a new baseball indoor facility that's opening next week, grand opening. It's already technically open right now. You've got a movie theater. You've got a student center. The Livingston Dining Hall, which was Tillett back in the day, no longer is terrible, I'm told by talking to Rutgers athletes. So go to Livingston, and then after that, you're going to want to go to College Ave because everyone wants to go to College Ave. Check out the yard. The yard is where the old grease trucks parking lot used to be. This was long before, or long after. You know, the grease trucks start lining up on College Ave and everything. Then they move to this parking lot. Now that parking lot is the yard, which is your fancy athlete dorms, lucky student dorms. There's a surf taco, all that kind of stuff. And uh, if you meant new stuff in terms of restaurants, Carl, I guess, huh. Well, I mean, Hansel and Griddle rules. They moved that to Easton Ave from Mine Street about four years ago. Uh, I don't know if Sanctuary existed on Easton Ave when you were there for the Louisville game, but Sanctuary rules. And then Taqueria, you've heard Sebastian Joseph, Chris Muller, a couple of the players talk about how much they love it. It's like a, it's like a Chipotle, but good and creative instead of just boring and salt bomb. So yeah, that's on Easton Ave also and Brother Jimmy's Barbecue where the radio show used to be, right by the train station. So if you're training in from Newark or something, Stop there. Last question here, closing out the Rutgers ScoutCast. Let me first, again, one final thank you to Chris Ash, Rick Mance, and Dan Spittle for joining the show. They all spoke with me Monday morning, first thing after the AFC and NFC Championship games. And, eh, you know, just another example of how you're ahead of the curve with Scarlet Report if you've been following my writing, because they were nice enough to give me time Monday, and then magically later in the week you've got Oh, here's the New York Times jumping on board. Here's Sports Illustrated, NJ.com, everyone. But as you all know, stick with us and you can be ahead of the curve with stuff like that. Anyway, last question. This question comes from Great Rutgers 88 who you the real MVP this week for asking this question. Since I know you're going to talk about it anyway, who do you want to win the Royal Rumble this weekend and who do you think will win? Well, you're right. I am going to talk about it anyway. Actually, I wasn't until you asked. So again, that's why you're the MVP. I'll keep this short because nobody cares except for me, Rutgers ScoutCast alum John Newman, big wrestling fan. I know there's a couple other wrestling fans that listen and obviously Brian Doan. Make sure to tweet Brian at Scout or whatever his Twitter is. Tweet him your wrestling prediction. I'm sure he'd love that. Uh, Who do I think will win? I think The Undertaker is going to win. Undertaker versus John Cena at WrestleMania would rule, even if it's obvious. Who do I want to win? I want Sami Zayn to win, because I want Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens on the grand stage for the big belt. And that would mean Chris Jericho, Team Kevin and Chris, Chris and Kevin would stay together. So thanks for that question. Always love talking wrestling, even though none of you care. For the five people that didn't skip that part of the segment, thanks. 
This has been another episode of the Rutgers Scout Cast. Thank you to Chris Ash, especially, for giving me some time this week. I am your host, Sam Hellman, publisher of Scholar Report. Thanks for listening.